Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on The Ordinary People Broadcast. How about we film the series in that crazy handheld documentary style and have cutaways to one-on-one interviews? Cut to interviews? That is just a totally overused device to make easy jokes. You know, talking to the camera about how you really feel and then cutting back and saying something completely different. I just hate that. I love it. Great device. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, episode 40. All the geeky news you can use. My name is Kyle A. Bear. I'm an anime and video game voice actor on the West Coast. And your co-host on the East Coast of the World Steve. And I'm the... And I'm a historian. <laughs> You're completely baked, aren't you? I'm getting there. For folks uh, who are, are usually like tuning in on the social feeds, uh, we, we are coming to you as we record this here episode from a lovely facility called 200 Pier Studios in Hermosa Beach, California. So a big shout out and props to Mark Sutherland and 200 Pier Studios and for a wonderful facility right here. We are streaming on YouTube. We want to thank all the folks in the chat room, all the people who are watching via Twitter or Facebook or wherever you click the link. Thanks so much. We do a live audio stream every week, every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. This one was a little bit different, but we, we got everything going here. So a big shout out to, and props to Mark. And also, if you're watching the video stream right now, you may notice there is a very beautiful woman on the other side of this table and uh, that would be my fiance writer hello hello and thank you so much for joining us say hello to the people howdy y'all you know i've always said that our podcast needs more southern accents got them now can you do a southern accent steve i cannot and i just for the sake of so everybody knows what's going on i'm still in massachusetts in my dingy drafty basement not having any of the fun these fuckers on the YouTube live stream are having. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We are fuckers. Um, <laughs> but we wear that badge proudly. Hermosa Beach in the background. First of all, uh, just so you know, my, my fiance writer is not very much of a geek, but she is trying. She's a geek in training. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes. Like you like Marvel movies. I do. Okay. And on the second viewing of Mad Max Fury Road, you decided it was a good movie. Yes. I like the second half the first time I watched it, but right. I liked all of it the second time I watched it. Okay. So there's two people on this podcast that love Fury Road. Steve does not because he doesn't care. That's okay because he has peanut butter and he's high. And that's a wonderful combination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all very happy. In fact, speaking of happy, isn't it wonderful that we can all sing the song Happy Birthday without getting sued. You know how you would go to a restaurant yeah. and they would sing their own version of Happy Birthday? Yeah. Well, apparently no one's going to have to do that anymore. On the heels of this news, there's this wonderful mashup video on YouTube that compiles all the different ways movies and TV shows have getting around this for the last couple of decades and the changes they've made to the song or their own uniqueness. A little backstory, Warner Chappelle, which is owned by Sony, has been claiming ownership of this song for decades. They, they've claimed that they've had the copyright over the, the lyrics to Happy Birthday. And believe it or not, it generates about $2 million annually in licensing for people who want to use the actual Happy Birthday song. So what happens, kind of bullet point, somebody put together a documentary about this problem and about how it didn't really seem like there were all the legal reasons why this song should be held to copyright. And it was the documentary's director herself who decided to take this back into court. Verdict was issued today. It's a 40-page decision by U.S. District Court Judge George H. King. Essentially, without going into all the details, it says the original creator, who uh, were two sisters, Patty Hill, and I don't see her other sister's name right here, sorry. They never sought copyright. 
when they wrote the lyrics. Their intent the whole time was to have this as a public thing. And long story short, after decades, after decades and decades, the judge ruled in favor that this is absolutely a piece of the public domain and probably should have at no time ever been under copyright. If we had an applause sound, we would we would employ that right now and standing ovations everywhere. One thing that we both agree about is seeing that the judge's decision essentially said that it should have never been under copyright. Mm-hmm. I think that Sony should issue refunds to everybody who's left. <laughs> well, yeah, after all the hacking and uh, credit card, debit card, passwords uh, being compromised in the PlayStation Network, let's give back to the people. Now, do you think that the restaurants are going to change over like really quickly now that they can sing happy birthday? Or do you think they've become kind of accustomed and acclimated to their own unique spin on it. I don't know. What do you think, Ryder? I don't know. Do you care? Not really. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, because I'm not crazy enough to uh, want people to sing happy birthday to me in a public setting. So no, I hate that. Right. Hate that shit. Yeah. Oh, yay. Mark is bringing over the, uh, the Chardonnay. Char- Chardonnay. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. He's the man. Yes, he is. Tip your waiters. <laughs> Steve is yet more jealous, so he's going to show that jealousy by being really quiet right now as he's seething. Take a hit for me, Steve. All right. I will do that just for you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we did get some applause, actually. John LaPiana in our chat room said, uh, need to have the Monty Python clip of the old ladies clapping. I know many DJs have had various movie and TV drops because Mark Sutherland is also a radio guy. He knows exactly what it means to have on-demand sound effects. This is a podcast, folks. And um, we're hardly professional. We're professional amateurs. Amateurishly professional. I want to talk about this article I found on Yahoo Travel today. It is really sad, as the headline states. Selfies, believe it or not, kill more people than sharks. (laughs) That is a, uh, a staggering statistic, sir. It's incredible because I love the examples that are brought up in this Yahoo article. You had a Japanese tourist at the Taj Mahal who died after falling down the stairs while taking a selfie. Well, and then this past May, a 21-year-old accidentally shot herself while posing with a gun in Moscow. Uh, Fortunately, she did live. And in August, a man was gorged while attempting to snap a picture of himself during the running of the bulls in Spain. Kids in Russia are electrocuted when trying to take selfies on top of train cars. And it actually has the breakdown, the actual stats. So far in 2015, 12 selfie-related deaths, and only eight shark-related deaths. You know, it's weird because people are oblivious enough now with cell phones. Nobody's watching where they're walking. And we had an incident, I believe, two years ago. We had a young woman who fell into an open manhole in New York because she wasn't paying attention to where she was going. And she's still trying to sue the state of New York for that. Uh, Now you throw selfies into the equation, and I don't think it's worth dying over some glam shot on Facebook. No, and you've already had that issue at theme parks, too, like Disney, and I think even Comic-Con was banning selfie sticks, because people are either getting massively hurt, or if you think about it, a selfie stick on a roller coaster is basically a weapon. You just look like a fucking moron anyway walking around with it. No offense if anyone in this room walks around with a selfie stick. They do take better pictures. I'll give you that. I'll give you that they do take cool pictures, but it's like people walking around with iPads. It's like you're taking a huge box and holding up in the midair. It's like, okay, say cheese. And yet people still do it. And and there's people that are all excited about the iPad Pro, which is way bigger than iPads ever have been. People still want to say, I want a good camera on this thing. I can't imagine slinging something around the size of a moderately sized wall-mounted television 
on the end of a stick. I think you're a douche for doing that, and I'm not saying you deserve a horrible death, but hopefully other people with smartphones are filming that when it happens. I mean, uh, granted, there are opportunities when you do need to pull out the phone and take a picture to to have a nice memento of things. Like if you were to run into, like, say, a Princess Leia cosplayer Jabba's slave outfit or something, that's a, that's a fine photo opportunity, especially if you got a hold of the actual bikini. I got a little depressed, and I, I shed a tear last night. Profiles in History, which is probably one of the most reputable online purveyors of historical film artifacts, they're having another huge auction. And it's really amazing to go through the catalog. So much stuff from Indiana Jones, screen used bullwhip, screen used fedora, screen used leather jacket. And these things all go for ridiculous amounts of money. And of course, there's tons and tons and tons of Star Wars stuff going up on the auction block including pieces of the Death Star. Um, actually, the, the Corellian Corvette, the very first spaceship you ever see in Star Wars, that model is up for sale. That's why I shed a tear, because I don't know why they're so eager, so loose to, to get these things out there. I'd be holding on to that for your life. I don't know why it's not in an ILM or, or Lucas Museum. I know that Ryder is personally happy that I don't have that kind of disposable income to buy Star Wars screen-used props, because we live in a tiny apartment. She's giving me this evil stink eye right now. Oh, that's judgy face. Oh, that's judgy face? Yeah. Alright. Yes, all right. we got rid of all that stuff, and it's slowly starting to come I'm right back. Yeah, because I bought a BB-8 and a 31-inch <laughs> Kylo Ren. That thing scares the shit out of me when I come through there at night. It should. But what's really great, though, I, I think this is something that, you know, could fit into your apartment easily, could have some interesting ramifications, emphasis on the ram. And the ram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ryder, you know you want to wear the official screen-used Jedi bikini, right? Of course. Who wouldn't? It hasn't been washed since 1983, though. That's oh, the only caveat. Never mind. Never mind. Oh. No. It was yeah. creepy because the article here on io9 says i wonder how many fanboys are going to bid on this thing just so they can vicariously cop a feel of carrie fisher's boobies <laughs> back in the day back in the day <laughs> princess leia's metal bikini is up for auction as part of this profile's history's auction catalog states are expecting it to sell from somewhere between 80 to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. yeah i don't I, know how important it is to have that particular memento for young pubescent males at that time, I think it's probably the most iconic prop you could possibly attain from Star Wars. <laughs> Not just males. Yeah, let's let's be fair. You know, yeah. there are some ladies that want to want to. I had that a hard too. crush on her when I was younger. Yeah, with the honey buns. I didn't like the honey buns. No, but the Jedi look at the bikini. Yeah. yeah, yeah, mostly the bikini. But yeah, now that has to be the next book. I would buy the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those who don't know, my fiance writer here is a writer, hence yes. the name. Writer wrong. R-Y-T-E-R-R-O-N-G. If you enter that name, writer wrong on Amazon, you will find a link. It's the very first thing that pops up for her very first historical fiction novel called Ireland Calls My Name, available now on Amazon in print and in paperback. Yay, plugs. <laughs> Thank you. You like that? Okay. I do. Hopefully it translates into sales. But meanwhile, we've got more geeky news that you can use, goddammit. So if you're saying to yourself, Michael Bay, please stop doing horrible traumatic things to my childhood in the live action realm. Luckily, uh, there is news now that an animated Transformers movie could be coming down the pike. You know, as we've been talking about, the thing that doesn't get enough attention, not that I advocate it, is that Transformers is, you know, becoming its own cinematic universe. And part of that cinematic universe is an animated film. And I guess this is one of the earliest things that was talked about 
um, in regards to Transformers, and this has officially got the go-ahead. The film's going to focus on the origin story of the Transformers taking place on Cybertron. Barner and Ferrari, who worked on Marvel's Ant-Man during production, are also uh, working on this as well. So if you enjoyed Ant-Man, there's the potential that some of that humor and wit and presentation is going to make its way across here. Ant-Man was was okay. A writer and myself, we went to the theater on opening night. We're all excited. And it's like, all right, it's fun. There's some lighter moments, you know, good cast and everything. But it doesn't grab you the way that Guardians did or Winter Soldier or, or the Avengers or anything like that. It's, it's, it's not a total loss by any means. It was worth seeing once. Have you seen Ant-Man yet? I have not. I will pick that up when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. And I'll give it a shot then. Um, it's not that I've been opposed to watching Ant-Man, I was really sick when it came out, when it debuted uh, theatrically, so I, I couldn't go and, and watch it. So I'm being patient, and I really still, to this day, don't know anything that happens. So I'm going in still kind of cold. Good. I have to address Hero004 in our chat who says, this is random, but bagged and boarded. Matt Cohen's Geek Podcast, also heard on Smodcast, uh, released an episode today as we record this episode. Y'all should do a crossover episode. I actually was a guest a couple years ago on Bagged and Boarded. He's also interviewed voice actor Yuri Lowenthal. Uh, he's a big One Piece fan. So shout out to Matt Cohen and Bagged and Boarded. Hopefully there'll be more consistent episodes and everything. We, we like that. But uh, yeah, crossover. Yeah, yeah. Like we were saying, I think on the last podcast, we want like a Smodapalooza, right? We just want uh, like a, a, a Smodcon where you get all the host of podcasts on the Smodcast Network together, meet and greet with fans, hang out, chill out, on, and just have a big party. I think that'd be wonderful. I think we should just find one central meeting hub, get everybody together, and just fucking debauchery. You know that. I get you. have you get me out of trouble all the time. Yeah, exactly. Now, this is only after, like, three swigs of Chardonnay. Yeah, what about it? We're just gauging you so far. <laughs> gauging me? Sure. <laughs> I'm a guinea pig. Okay. That's all. Uh, speaking of Smodco and Smodcast, the, our, our, our Smod father, Kevin Smith, he's doing something definitely geek news worthy. He's going to kill off a major character in the Viewers universe. What? He is, and this is going to be in his next movie, Moose Jaws. It's kind of unknown if it's going to be a, a quote-unquote permanent demise or if that's subject to change, um, especially after dogma and uh, their view of the afterlife. Death doesn't necessarily mean you can't come back. I don't know if you want to come right out and say who that is. <laughs> Think of all the core characters that have tied uh, most of the Kevin Smith universe movies together. And then you can kind of narrow it down. I think it's safe to say it's somebody who's appeared in every Kevin Smith movie, correct? I'm not so sure that character appeared in Tusk or Red State. Yeah, I, I haven't seen either of those, so I really couldn't speak to that. <laughs> then again, those aren't really in the Askewniverse timeline, I guess. Speaking to that world of comic book movies and, and what <laughs> the lack of permanence when someone departs this earthly plane, you can almost say never say never. I'm almost wondering what the motivation is. I kind of personally dig that character. I couldn't imagine the franchise without that character being prominent. Well, I'm looking at our chat room. We got several guesses here. Slick Rob says, I'm betting it's Silent Bob. And then Tara Chihime says, Jay? Half of you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, 50% are on it, yo. Well, let, let's keep talking about uh, the, the comic book world while we're talking about who's alive. Who's dead? Who's coming back? Who's the last person you'd expect to have a movie, maybe? How about Booster Gold and Blue Beetle? How about some folks have gotten some nice props in the animated Justice League universe before? Wouldn't it be nice if you saw those characters, uh, some of the Z-level instead of the A-list, get a, a little bit of screen time, yeah? Yeah, and you know, I think this is kind of what DC needs. I think this is the shot in the arm 
their cinematic universe uh, needs. Because when you're talking Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, the first thing that's going to come to mind is it's going to be a lighthearted comedy. It's, it's going to be something much more akin to Ant-Man than the brooding Dark Knight. Helming it is uh, Greg Berlanti. And he's pitching this as a superhero buddy cop movie. Very different from what DC has presented so far. If you're going to have the the dark, brooding, color desaturated um, <laughs> Zack Snyder verse, the anti-Marvel, maybe they'll come back and say, you know what? Maybe we could stand to tell a joke or two. Weirdly enough, they're also going to become members of the Justice League. And this is kind of their introdu- introduction into the DC universe before they integrated into that big superhero lineup so again i don't have a problem with it i'm so sick of the dark depressing gritty dc movies and even if this is just bad it's still going to be good for my opinion of dc i gotta know i'm gonna ask my fiance here writer what do you think about dark and gritty versus lighthearted and fun in the superhero genre i like it when they mix them up mix them up so you like a little of both yeah Dark Knight is equally as entertaining as Avengers. If there's enough humor in it. Not a lot of humor in The Dark Knight. No, there's not. So you see Bane, you're like, oh my god, what a fucking joke. <laughs> Gosh, if you watch Dark Knight Rises, it's quite hysterical. I'm going to leave that one alone. No, do your Bane impression. <laughs> uh, uh, I like Bane when I talk like this. Wow. (laughs) There's a reason I'm a writer and you're a voice actor. Okay, fair enough. Let's go over to the Marvel side. It looks like the Gambit movie has lost its director. Uh, Does anybody really give a shit (laughs) at this point? Should Gambit have his own movie? I understand Gambit has his fans. He's a Cajun, and that's what I am. I'm originally from Louisiana, so I've even auditioned to be that character in the animated X-Men universe several times. Never got it. And if I did, I'd probably feel completely different about the character. But as it is, <laughs> you've already seen him kind of not given screen justice in Wolverine X-Men Origins, Channing Tatum. And now I think that's fallen through, right? Or is that still a thing? He's confirmed that he's fully committed to a Gambit solo movie. Oh, he is. Okay. Uh, however, their director is not, um, which is kind of a bigger problem. And this is Rupert Wyatt we're talking about. He says he's left the project because of scheduling conflicts. A lot of reporting sites don't exactly buy that as a valid excuse. It seems this production's in a lot of trouble. Probably the scariest part for Fox right now is this thing's slated to come out a year from now, fall of 2016, and you just had a very close scrape with your lead star. Now you've lost your director. I don't know if this is really going to be a thing and if it's going to be a thing anytime soon. And after seeing uh, Apocalypse and X-Men Age of Apocalypse, I kind of hope Fox just takes a step back at this point and really considers what they're doing with the X franchise going forward. It looks like they've tweaked Apocalypse's look a little bit, so he's not so much Ivan Ooze anymore. But if it's legit, it's like, hey, cool, maybe the studios are listening. I mean, Fox better listen, because look at look at the major losses from Fantastic Four this year. All that money cranked into the franchise, and then all the, the set drama and everything with, with Josh Trank, and then the dismal box office returns. No one gives a shit about these characters, at least presented in the way that it was. Fox definitely needs another hit. And and, and they're almost guaranteed that now with X-Men. They've had enough positive strides in the X-Men thing. but And then Wolverine does make them money, too. Channing Tatum, yeah, he's a name. Again, I don't know that, that people are going to show up in droves. I mean, Ant-Man came and went, didn't really make the splash that, you know, Guardians did for a not A-list superhero film. You know, yeah, they're taking gambles. I'll give them that. They're taking a gamble on Gambit. They make money, but I honestly think they've made more bad X-Men movies than good ones. Let's just erase the third one and the Wolverine, uh, not the Wolverine, but Wolverine X-Men Origins. The Wolverine made up for it. It was good. And if they do anything with the old man Logan storyline, 
I'm there. Hugh Jackman says he, he's walking away from the role after the next one. And it's like, okay, cool. Just go out on a big bang, a big note. And, you know, he's kind of even teased that too, because nobody knows what the next one is. And he's kind of taken to social media and not confirmed it, of course, but he's put it out there like, yeah, old man Logan. Might, might be the way to go out. Meanwhile, in the Ghostbusters universe, as you know, the all-female Ghostbusters movie is in production right now. We reported recently that uh, Bill Murray was seen reporting to set as, you know, I had a pretty good feeling that uh, you're going to have Peter Venkman show up and why not have the others? It looks like Ernie Hudson, Winston Zedmore will also be seen in this film. So uh, continuing to, to look like it's a passing the torch type of Ghostbusters film. I just heard today, um, Annie Potts was also spotted on set the last day of filming. And they did confirm that she was there for a cameo. And I, I forget right now in what capacity it was. However, it doesn't seem like they're in the same universe. Like, like they're the people from the original Ghostbusters. I'm not sure. And then the other big tease was, um, I guess they ended up at the firehouse as well um, to wrap the shooting. So it is going to come together back at the original firehouse where it all started with the original Ghostbusters. I think with all the other franchises we've been talking about, everybody's trying to expand their universe as much as possible and kind of oversaturate with this whole, everything's going to be connected bullshit. So yeah, I'd expect another all male Ghostbusters to come on the heels of this. And slick Rob in our chat says RIP Harold Remus. Absolutely. Yeah. And also he, he brings up, what about Rick Moranis? We haven't seen Rick on the screen in many years. He was dealing with a lot of personal family tragedy and everything. And he pretty much was raising kids. He lost his wife, I believe, to, to cancer or something. And he left uh, his onstage career. But, uh, you know, he's, he's written books. And um, this is something that makes him kind of have a comeback. I'm sure people would, would love to see his character come back as well. I know I would. He seems like really reluctant to come back in any capacity. We kind of joked last couple podcasts about wow you know what the fuck did it cost to get bill murray to finally give in to this because he's been in denial for years he's come straight out and said i'm not going to have any part to do with that i don't think he's like that i don't think you could throw money at him and say hey you know come on do a cameo or whatever i really think he just walked away and it wasn't anything bad like you said he, he left to raise his family and to be a dedicated dad so props to him regardless yeah sure um and will we we see this movie and will it will it hold any any good weight that remains to be seen of course um do you care are you interested is that is that a date movie for you and the, the future mrs Zaber? Uh, well um i'm interested i guess we'll wait and see a trailer i'm sure we'll see one you know hopefully by the end of the year if not early next year i don't know what the i forgot what the release date they were targeting for this flick but uh, sometime next year, if they're shooting it now. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I wouldn't be surprised if it flops, you know, because so many reboots do and so many leave the nostalgia in the past. It seems to be our credo here on this podcast. Careful with the nostalgia bombs, because just because it was good when you were the way you remember it doesn't mean you're going to experience the same thing when you get to, uh, to see the new version of these characters. I want them to write new movies. I'll write them. <laughs> Just bring out something new. She's a writer. That's right. Hollywood, if you're listening, please are my fiance. She could do screenplays, right? I could. Yeah. Good. Just sit her down. Just, just get her off Facebook for more than 20 <laughs> minutes. And get her focused. Like, how many words have you written? It's like, none. Why? Because I'm playing Toontown. Why? Stop playing Toontown. <laughs> Stop playing Toontown. Do the words I write on their count? Oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> Stevie, you showed your kids Toontown. Did you know about this game? It's a Disney game. It's free now. Like for them to be able to have conversations, it's pre-done conversations. Like you would go up and click on hello, and then it gives you like 10 different options of how to say hello, like hi, howdy, all those different things. Everything's preset, so no one can say anything to your kid that's not right. It has to be in that preset. See, my kids, unfortunately, are the type that would want to tell somebody else to fuck off. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> And they'd use that exact language, right? <laughs> the word around the house for like the last two weeks has been asshole. I, I've heard that <laughs> in kid's mouth constantly. You're an asshole. No, you're an asshole. Shut up, asshole. It's so frustrating. How old are your kids? Five and eight. Awesome. Already saying asshole. <laughs> you got to film that and use that against them when they, when they grow older and just embarrass them at parties. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids would wear that like a badge of honor. <laughs> Badass way back in the day. While Ryder plays Toontown, other people are going to want to dig up this decade-old game, a very acclaimed Star Wars title called Knights of the Old Republic 2, because there's like new stuff coming. Not too long ago, you had a big update for Knights of the Old Republic that brought ultra-high resolutions, cloud saves... All kind of crazy stuff. Uh, Steam uh, workshop support. That was weird. You know, all the, the game sites set up and took notice of that. Why is this over a decade old game getting this support from out of nowhere? And then this other big bomb just got dropped where they've just introduced 20 new achievements. You can uh, read the list over at Kotaku. They're all player-suggested achievements that were put into the development of the game. So you get 20 new achievements, and they've actually got a pretty funny list on... Uh, some that were suggested and didn't make the cut. I think they're pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, some love out there for the Republic. I wonder if this is because episode thing is going to be a huge thing this December, but props. This does not happen in the game industry. And God bless them for giving these players a reason to stick around for so long. Yeah. Aetherton in our chat says, new patch, baby. Yeah. We, we like new stuff. KOTOR fans, they're, they're in there. They're coming out of the woodwork. Uh, also, uh, if you're looking forward to Star Wars Battlefront, they have some interesting things on the way. Not only do you have a PS4 console itself that's like Darth Vader themed to tie in with the release of this game. You, you got a cool exclusive, I believe, from Walmart. This bundle it really isn't priced too bad. It's $130 available for the PS4 and Xbox One, unfortunately not for PC. But this comes bundled with an electric Han Solo in Carbonite Refrigerator. Cool. That is pretty cool. You know, I, if I had that kind of disposable income, I would. I think it's pretty badass. It also has a warming function as well. So if you're a coffee drinker like me or a teetotaler, you can throw your cup in there, turn it to the warming function, and warm it back up. It comes with a 12-volt direct uh, current power cord, and you can use it in your car, and it can also USB into your computer. And I think it's one of the most original bundled items to come out with a game in a very very long time yeah i like it when uh, game companies take a uh, think outside the box a little bit it's like oh here's a hardcover book of art and like okay okay here's the soundtrack okay yeah okay that's cool i guess yeah okay here's a here's a really cool collectible statue and this and this is where writer goes please no more statues a little bit different and actually is practical uh yeah, you could you could use that. We were talking about this in our little show prep phase before recording. I thought that it looked so tiny that it would hold only one can, but this thing will hold a six pack. It holds an entire six pack. You have to put it on the side vertically, but yes, it, it very neatly holds an entire six pack. It's really cool, Darth Vader inspired PS4. It looks really badass. It's got a graphic of Vader on the system itself, and it has an exclusive custom DualShock Four controller inspired by Darth Vader's chest panel. 
Um, unfortunately, this bundle, the system with the game, is going for four hundred and fifty dollars, which is just a little bit more than the four hundred dollars standard model that uh, is coming out with the bundle as well. Uh, but four fifty, man, that's just to me that that's above the impulse buy. That's like I hope you have good stocks over in Wall Street kind of buy the incentive to get a bundle is the fact that it's bundled you know you you're getting a game included so you're saving what a good 60 bucks plus tax and blah 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 but this one is just tacking it on pretty much pretty much the vader graphic looks really cool he is the coolest person in star wars and i'm sure you've been seeing all the rumors flying across twitter and facebook that this movie might be a little darth vader centric facebook they have debuted uh the first of their exclusive 360 degree videos which means that through a click of the mouse or a finger swipe on a mobile phone, depending on what browser. Sorry, Safari, but Chrome and Firefox, this works perfectly on. You can check out 360-degree video as you're doing a first-person perspective. You speed across the planet Jakku from Force Awakens. This is some very interesting marketing. Uh, it's a, you know, less than a minute long, but you're speeding along and seeing, you know, the crashed Imperial Star Destroyers and all that. And it looks really, really cool. There's a whole kind of, uh, first person shooter type action experimental film. And I guess this thing took like years to put together and it's basically using the same technology. What's interesting is as this movie's going on in real time, you can position the camera anywhere you want in that world. So you can see different events, how they transpire from all kinds of different locations. It's really wild technology, but it just, it right now it takes so long to implement. I think, you know, it's going to be second nature later on. So yeah, this is just a tease. This is just the tip of the iceberg in this brand new immersive technology. I want audio technology to catch up with all these visual technologies. Yeah, I, I wonder if some people might might consider it just too gimmicky. You know, it's like we're getting too overly stimulated. This kind of ties in, but not totally directly. So just uh, just allow me to go on a slight tangent. I was reading uh, uh, like an alarmist type, type article from a psychologist saying, don't let your babies near iPads because that's overstimulation. They're not going to develop, right? Because they're being exposed to virtual worlds through all this stuff, through the gaming and, and everything that they're not going to be able to function as normal society. And, you know, even the late Steve Jobs refused to let his kids have an iPad. And there he was. That's his invention and hawking into the public. And I know that we're all as grownups, we're pretty much zombie automatons with our smartphones and, and walking and in, walking into traffic and making all these blunders and, and, and continuing to be more connected in the in the in the virtual world than the real world. What's your take on all that? Are you okay with your five and eight year olds playing on tablets and everything? I'm not okay with it, but I mean, really, what can you do? You, yeah, you can be dickish and not give them access to any of that. But yeah, my kids each have a tablet and then they have a desktop that they share in the living room and they they don't pay attention to anything, not a word anybody's saying or, or what's going on in their environment. And it gets difficult to tear them away from it sometimes. But I don't know. It's kind of where we are right now as a culture, as a society. Do you have a rule in place where it's like you can't bring your, your phones and your tablets to the dinner table? You know, you're, you're some sort oh, of, yeah, some sort of detachment phase. Ryder, how about you? When your kids were growing up, you're, they're grown now, but, mm -hmm. you know, still the Internet was a thing. Mm -hmm. Before the iPads and all that, were they were they were you seeing symptoms of them being addicted to the internet culture at all? No, no. Um, my son liked modifying Nerf guns with all of his friends having Nerf wars and things that didn't involve. Of course, it did involve electronics because he would hide cameras all over the house so that he could cheat and see where all the other people were, so he could shoot them. But outside of that, no. 
I like how uh, you got to tell the story real quick about how he made his, what was his first job? He made some nice side income as a student, <laughs> not selling drugs. Okay. I homeschooled him until he was in high school. And so I put him in school in, in ninth grade and he comes home and I noticed he's got a lot of money. And I'm like, you don't make that much money, you know, doing chores. Where's this money coming from? And he's like, oh, well, I learned how to make my own proxy server that will override the school system so people can go on MySpace because that was back in the MySpace days, uh, and look at their profiles and stuff, and people bring me their um, flash drives, and for $10, I put the proxy server on it, and they just kind of go from there. And I'm like, dude, you can get arrested for that. So after you made two or $300, you quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kids weren't, you know, they were busy doing other stuff most of the time, That's though. very resourceful. He's a smart one. <laughs> I don't know how we created that one, but yeah, he's, he's a smart one. Shout out to your son who also wired this around sound in our home and get the, the 4K TV up to snuff and everything. Yeah. <laughs> He knows his shit, man. The youngins, they, they, that generation's going to take care of us one day. And <laughs> they're going to be wiping our ass in the old folks' home. As we yeah. all talk like, what's his face? Walter Brennan. <laughs> but, <laughs> and today's listeners are going, who the fuck is Walter Brennan? I miss this because I do not have cable. Muppets, too risque. One Million Moms organization has already called for a boycott of the new ABC series, claiming the jokes are simply too adult. Even in their earliest trailer, it was kind of over the top. Muppets were always adult. They're, they're, the pilot was ridiculously adult. But a lot of it was kind of wink and nod just over the kids' heads and the adults would catch it type things. This iteration may kind of be beating things over the head a little too hard. Yeah, it's not South Park. I mean, is it kind of like Spongebob, that kind of thing, where it's that adult humor? Crusty Krabs and Bikini Bottom? I mean, because, I mean, come on, that's Think funny. about it. <laughs> I mean, Kermit Smoking Paw and Fozzie with interspecies sex and I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, doesn't like Nathan Fillion and Miss Piggy go off and, and it's implied they, they, they like get it on or something? The producer for The Muppets, Bob Cushel, said they're trying to tell jokes that are clever enough to work on two levels so the show can appeal to families. I got a quote here that says, part of the excitement of doing this show is to see where we can push the envelope, but never push it so far that the adults feel embarrassed to watch it in front of their kids. That will never happen. Unquote. Early reviews of the first few episodes have been mixed for this very reason, because people think they're, they're just, they're just towing that line. Personally, I think it's really, really funny. Like when you first said this, like Kermit making a weed joke or whatever, it's like, now that it's legal, it's like, <laughs> I can see how maybe someone in the conservative realm might uh, kind of go, well, what? If they, if they don't like it, don't show it to your kid. Yeah, I know. There's a million uh, children's programming thing out there, you know. Uh, it's Barney. Right? I think it's just kind of shocking that this is on, you know, a big network channel. This isn't Netflix or you know, a cable channel. This is a huge network channel putting this out. We've seen superheroes go from the, you know, squeaky clean pop fun of uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman and to the dark, gritty, dark night stuff and, and you know, things pushing the, the envelope from PG-13 to practically R-rated superhero fare, you know, and Disney buying things like Marvel and Star Wars. And you wonder, it's like how gritty and edgy and everything. And they own the Muppets too. It's like, how far are they willing to go? And is today's society numb to that sort of thing? By the time we get to Incredibles 2, they're like totally fucking people up, killing them, ripping limbs off. There'll be a lot of destruction porn. Man of Steel won't hold a candle to it. I love the Incredibles. I'm worried that by the time Incredibles 2 comes out, it'll be a little bit too late, you know? Because we've had this glut of superhero movies. No, no, I can't ever be too late. It's the Incredibles. There's a cute family at the last con we were at dressed as the Incredibles. But Faith in Brad Bird, I don't think he would steer this property wrong. And he's admitted to that. He's like, you know... Unfortunately, because of all these superhero films, I have to take this in a different direction and it has to 
be a strong, impactful, meaningful story, and it really has to stand out. I mean, this dude's just made gold after gold after gold, so I'm not too concerned with Incredibles 2. He's artistically a, a fantastic talent, you know, starting with, you know, Iron Giant and after The Incredibles, moving into live action with Ghost Protocol Mission Impossible, my favorite of the Mission Impossible movies. I haven't seen the new one. I can't speak to it yet, but... Then he did Tomorrowland, which I think deserved a much better fate at the box office. People were so into reboots and remakes that an original idea, granted based on, you know, 40, 50 year old theme park, the ideas presented, the, 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 uh, the concepts in Tomorrowland, uh, it, it's such a worthwhile movie. It, it's just a shame that it didn't click the way that some other flicks did. And that's how Steve feels about it <laughs> from the heart. So what you do with your wife when she asks you something you don't like? I think she that's as far as I went. <laughs> hey, honey, pull my finger. Now it's not even pulling fingers anymore. It's just erupts. And it's like. It used to be. But then I realized that I have, you know, impressionable, horrible children. So <laughs> try to curb that. Who now know that asshole is an acceptable thing to say repeatedly. Well, you know, it was so cute at first. Because the first time it happened, my youngest approached me and he looked me dead in the eyes and he called me an asshole. And I, was, <laughs> I was stunned. I was like, what? And he saw that I was getting visibly upset. And he says, why are you getting mad, daddy? I'm just calling you a donkey. Oh. So I was like, oh, I could see the confusion. I was like, oh, that was sweet. That was innocent. Oh. But like, three days sweet. later, when he's arguing with his brother, he's like, you're an asshole. Oh, you're an asshole. <laughs> That's not cute. <laughs> Fuck you! No, fuck you! Yeah. My oldest says F-bombs, you know, and that's because, again, <laughs> tablets and shit. He's watching GTA 5 videos on YouTube. So, you know, he's in elementary school, but he knows how to beat a hooker and get his money back. <laughs> Family values! Oh, Life skills. You know, you don't teach that shit in school. That's right. He's going to have a career to fall back on, right? Yeah, you don't want to go to school and just memorize a bunch of dates and some factoids. You could be living that other life. Steal a car. Steal a car. <laughs> Live life on the edge. Okay, speaking of uh, learning how to drive the PlayStation way, this, this made the news recently. Uh, a man in the UK led police on a high-speed chase. And um, after caught, he did admit that his driving skills were acquired by playing PlayStation games. This is uh, His name's Adam Jones. He damaged multiple parked cars, sentenced to a year after uh, admitting aggravated vehicle taking and driving without a license or insurance. He's banned from driving for three years. How old is he? Uh, he looks to be in his early 20s. Wow. About the about the age of your son. Now, your son plays Grand Theft Auto every day for countless hours, but he is not <laughs> taken to the streets with his driving uh, abilities. No, but if he did, he can drive. The <laughs> other guy wasn't learning enough from Grand Theft Auto. No, uh, apparently <laughs> not, because if he's just hitting parked cars, you know, luckily no lives were lost. Uh, no hookers. <laughs> <laughs> no hookers died in the making no of this. No hookers died in the making of this, this story. <laughs> yes. But is this a real concern? I mean, do we need to be worried about stupid kids doing stupid shit like this because they play the stupid video game? Yes, they play stupid video games. So you need to be a responsible parent and 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 kick them away from tell them to learn the no. fucking difference. No. no, you know what? My daughter pointed out when she was in school that they 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 wrote papers on these things because she was taking psych or psych course or whatever, and they had said, "Do you think it influences you to be around violence and things versus not?" Now, growing up, I taught Sunday school, and my children were not allowed to watch anything even remote. They, I wouldn't even let them watch Power Rangers. When they were little. And they still were violent little fuckers. So it doesn't matter. 
they're going to do what they're going to do. I grew up watching the Three Stooges and never once did my dad utter the words, don't do what they do, son. <laughs> I just knew. Right? I mean, shit, smarter. we grew up with the Golden Age Looney Tunes cartoons, and I don't think it ever crossed my mind to go emulate any of that shit. No. Here, hold this lit dynamite stick and let it blow up in your face just so you can go, wah, wah. Let me drop an anvil on your head and see what happens. No, we didn't do that. We were smarter. Maybe it's because we're we're raising, or I didn't, but a lot of people are raising their kids where, you know, there's there's only winners, there's no losers, nobody gets hurt, nothing bad happens in the world, everything's in this glass bubble, and because of that, they're growing up stupid. I think George Carlin made a made a whole, whole rant about that very thing. I wish I could have sat and talked to George Carlin. Ah, oh, to pick his brain, man. I just love to, like, share a spliff with him and just talk talk about really weird abstract shit but you know speaking about this guy learning to drive on on his playstation um you know the problem there is he obviously didn't watch last week's episode of mythbusters and i really dug the shit out of it i've always been a huge fan of mythbusters but they tackled a very interesting myth about if you can learn things through games and the example they used was golf both adam and jamie had never played golf before so they went out to pebble beach and they each shot four holes so they could get a baseline and then one of them trained with an actual golf pro and the other went back to the shop and trained on xbox uh connect type system golf game and then they they had them do that for a set amount of time took them back out to the links and saw who had the most improvement and from practicing on the game system not only was there not an improvement, but there was actually a decline in the skills required to play that sport. Wow. I know I would just suck because I don't have any interest to begin with. Here's something I didn't know about what's going on with uh, as we bring the internet to our cars. So Apple is working on CarPlay. That's their whole thing. Chevy, uh, their 2016 models, they're going to be getting the Android version. Well, you know, yeah, they'll be CarPlay version compatible as well. But I didn't know that Android was developing their own car integration type thing so android auto this is the first i'm hearing of this i like my android but you know there's already a lot of stereos on the market i'm the type of person i hate stock stereos i i don't want a stock stereo in my car i just had to replace a vehicle and um the first thing i did was i got a wiring harness and a mounting kit so i could take my stereo out and, and mount it in this thing I like having a USB port on my stereo. I carry about 80 albums on one thumb drive, and that's my listening music. I don't have to fumble with CDs. I don't pay for satellite radio. But having said all that, there's a lot of systems that have Android integration built into them, and you can stream Pandora and do a lot of other things. So it's really not anything too like new for me not that i really even want it to begin with because it's already so easy for me to listen to what i want to listen to yeah the, the only feature that i find useful that i use on a daily basis is bluetooth streaming to the stereo it's like it's great not to have to be tethered you could old school just take an audio auxiliary uh cable and get it done that way that's what i want i want to listen to my music and podcast on demand and that's how i do it i just bluetooth stream it directly to the stereo answer calls on the stereo that's helpful too absolutely Doing the when phone you call your, your music, do you do that with Siri? No, I haven't tried, although I do have my phone updated to iOS 9, and uh, Siri gets better and better with every iOS update that it's starting to recognize even more, where it's just getting really fucking scary. I was talking to a writer about this, how when we shop for shit, Facebook will start having ads about where you looked. You know, you'll see the things that you were just looking at on a separate browser tab, not even five minutes earlier. And then it's it's suddenly just bloop, dropped in, as a as a placement ad. That's creepy shit. And, and as I said, you know, uh, to install my new stereo, I had to go online and order 
a wiring harness and the mounting uh, brackets. And yeah, that that's the ad in my Facebook for the next like three days. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? You know, how do you stop this shit from happening? Yeah, like mm-hmm. even if you buy the product, you'll still see the ad. It's like, don't you want to try this? You know, there, there's all these minority report-esque things. Just looking at shit at Amazon will make it show up as an ad later on. Writer, you should have some more Chardonnay. I don't have any. Oh, okay. Well, Mark can top your glass off. <laughs> I think something like that. You're trying uh. to get the accent flowing, aren't you? I am trying to get the accent flowing. It's so cute. We don't have enough Southern accents here. No. We need more. Yeah. We're, we're all about diversity here. And speaking of diversity, let, let's end our podcast with a discussion of Rainbow Doritos. How about that? I thought this was cool at first. And then all of a sudden, of course, because there's dicks on the internet. Surprise. <laughs> dicks on the internet? Never. All of a sudden, it's controversial. And it's like, God forbid somebody try to do something nice. But yeah, but I'm talking about uh, Doritos has teamed up with the It Gets Better project, and they have white packages of Doritos that come in a rainbow assortment of colors. You get your purple, blue, green, orange, and red. And these are limited edition, um, and this is, of course, to celebrate the LGBT community. You can go over to the It Gets Better project, and you can order yourself a bag. Um, Not order a bag, but you will receive a bag. If you make a $10 donation or more, they will gladly ship this out to you. What the fuck? I don't care. I think, you know, if you want to donate and get a bag of colored Doritos, that's your thing. Dicks on the internet. They say, uh, <laughs> I'm not buying your Doritos anymore. It's one thing to say, I'm not buying your overpriced food colored Doritos <laughs> anymore for 10 bucks when I can buy them for $3 on clearance at the grocery what store. What flavors are they? I don't think the flavor's different, just the colors, right? Well, that's just stupid. The colors. Yeah, it's, it's not, not, not yeah. Skittles flavored. <laughs> it's not Skittles flavored. It's not all these, I think they're parodies, right? All the Lay's flavored, all these experimental different things. Like here's, uh, you know, the chicken and waffles thing was was legit, but there's other things out there that makes you just think it's just Photoshop. It was great, though. There was this guy that trolled um, Twitter as a uh, Frito-Lay representative. And his responses to some of the outrage is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't think of any examples right now. But if you Google it, kids, you'll find it pretty simple. But it basically calls the inconsistencies in a lot of stories that these haters have. Ah, uh, yes. And if you have stories, whether they're inconsistent or not, that you want to share with us, comments, suggestions, all that, that fun stuff, definitely drop us a line on our Twitter feed, please, at BB Broadcast. Uh, certainly uh, get in touch at thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com or bigballbroadcast at gmail.com, especially if you're in the Los Angeles area and would like to take advantage of these lovely studios at 200 Pier Studios here in Hermosa Beach, California. We can uh, get you in touch uh, with, with Mark here. We want to thank him very, very much for the use of his lovely facility here and thank all of you guys for listening and supporting the Big Bald Broadcast. Tara Chihime, Jess Oldfield, Hero004, Sigmund88, all the people in the chat room. Thanks for subscribing and listening to us on Smodcast. Until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. And we love you, right or wrong. Thank you. I love y'all too. Duh. Okay. Huzzah! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.